Welcome to the Ever Athlete Podcast, where we discuss performance in life and sport. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Smith, and I'm a coach to elite athletes, CEOs, and everyday humans. In this show, we discuss performance training, longevity, and stories for personal growth. Before we dive into the show today, I want to remind you of the important role that you play in the success and growth of this show. If you enjoy the content that we're bringing through these episodes, please subscribe to the show, share it with your friends, and if you can, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. What's up and welcome to the show. Today we have a very special guest joining us. His name is Andy Glaze, and Andy is a complete savage. This guy has been running over 100 miles per week for over three years now consecutively. And in addition to that, he has done tons of ultra endurance events. And we dive into all of that. We talk about his running career. We also dive into some of the lessons that he's learned along the way. This conversation was one that I really enjoyed and learned a ton from him. Uh, But I have to say, I apologize in advance. The audio gets a little squirrely at the end, and we had to do some fancy editing to make it all work. This was my first time doing a distance podcast, uh, and so it got a little little squirrely on us. But for the most part, this thing is awesome. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Let's dive in. Andy Glaze, what's up, man? Thank you so much for uh, jumping on the podcast. Um, ever since I saw you at Camp Strava a couple weeks ago, I've I've really wanted to sit down and talk with you. I remember, you know, we didn't actually get to catch up at Camp Strava, but I saw you running around with your three inch tiger print shorts on, and I was like, one inch, Ooh. one inch, one inch. Come on, <laughs> one inch. All right. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing you. I'm like, who? How do I know this guy? You know, and you have this you know, very recognizable face. And I'm sitting there for a second. I'm like, how do I know this dude? And then I didn't see you for the rest of the day. I saw you like at the beginning of the run, didn't see you the rest of the day. And, um, and then quickly, like immediately when I got back home, I'm on Instagram and your video popped into my feed, like immediately. I'm like, Oh my God, it's Andy Glaze. Holy smokes. (laughs) And so I reached out to you right away and, and, uh, you know, I'm I'm just really stoked that you were you were available and, and happy to do this. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, I love talking about running and running related things. Yes. Well, we're certainly going to talk about running today. Uh, and I know that you're fresh off a couple races this weekend. You were down in yeah. San Diego. Tell me tell me a little bit about uh the races that you did this weekend. So Friday I did uh San Diego one hundred which is a mountain hundred, everyone thinks San Diego, beach city. But if you head east into eastern San Diego County, you have um, quite a bit of like little mountains out there. They're about five to 6,000 feet high. And uh, it's, it's pretty rocky and mountainous. And uh, they've had this race for I don't know how long. It's, it's an old hundred. And um, you just run all through this like beautiful forest area, um, rocky exposed. It's technical, um, very challenging race. And, uh, so I had that and then I, I finished Saturday morning and then Sunday morning I ran the rock and roll, uh, half marathon in San Diego with my wife. 
So nice. yeah. So I basically got home or we, we, we have a, we have a place in San Clemente. I went to San Clemente, rested for a little bit. Well, I actually didn't even rest. I had like a little family thing I had to do and then got five hours of sleep. And then, um, yeah, basically ran a half marathon <laughs> and then drove home. So I, it was, I it was saw a, your video. I saw your video with the flies yes. uh, from the hundred miler. What, what was the deal with the flies? Well, I think because we've gotten so much water or rain in California, like everything is just so green. And um, they actually had to reroute the course because we normally take off and we go through this meadow and the meadow was under three feet of water because there's like a lake and the lake has just gotten bigger and bigger. And so um, there was water everywhere on the course. It's normally like a desert type race where it's like really hot and like deserty. And man, I I went through mud so many times and anytime you have mud, you have ticks and mosquitoes and but the flies were i mean i've never experienced anything like that like eight hours of just you know 150 flies buzzing around your head like and and there's nothing you could do you know i just had to literally just go well this sucks and this is just another layer of suck that's uh i'm gonna just have to deal with and you know it was talk about a mental challenge like that was a pretty big mental challenge to to get through that and then they started biting because not all flies bite, but if horse flies bite. And there's a, you know, in, in the mix of all these flies, there's horse flies. And then, you know, they're biting me and then that hurts. And man, it was just a, it was a mess. So it sounds like quite a weekend. And yeah, uh, it, it was, it was a weekend for sure. A hard one. So, well, I know for anyone that's listening that is not familiar with Andy Glaze, not only does he do these, insane races like you did this weekend in San Diego, but for the past over three years now, right? You've been doing a hundred miles of volume of running every single week for the past three plus years. What, yes. uh, what week are we on right now? So I just finished 169. So now we're, this is uh starting week 170, assuming I get it, you know? Holy smokes. Yeah. Okay, well, I wanted to, I mean, I certainly want to dive into the streak and, you know, some experiences that you've had in racing and just your life in running. And I think the most appropriate way to do that is just to start out by talking about your life as an athlete, professionally and personally before you started the streak. So three plus years ago, what what did life look like for you? Um, so, I mean, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not like, I'm just literally, uh, I mean, I'm an ultra runner and and I'm definitely a runner, but like, everything I do, I sort of just do for fun. Um, I I'm actually like, yeah, a full-time firefighter. That's like my job. And then running would be like my, like, you know, sort of hobby. Um, three years ago. Um, I mean, I was, I was racing. I wasn't racing as much as I'm racing now. Um, I had, I had had like a really traumatic experience, maybe a few, like a few months before the street kind of started in which, I got trapped in a mudslide um, in Japan at an ultra and uh, like almost uh, died. And so I basically had kind of like stopped running. I mean, not stopped. Well, I was running like maybe 35 miles a week for quite a while, like maybe like eight months. And it kind of just like lost my love of running. I was still doing it out of habit, but um, but it wasn't like my my jam anymore. And I would, I knew that like, I just like stayed consistent. Like I still ran, I only ran like a couple miles a day, but I was like, you just got to keep going. And 
Hopefully you can fall in love with this, uh, you know, sport again, because obviously it was a big part of my life. Um, and so when I started the streak, it was kind of like a, a couple things coming to head, but one of them was that I started falling in love with running again. Um, I started racing again. I had, you know, I had some, some good races, um, and was, was about to start another racing year in, in 2020. Um, basically like, like COVID happened and like screwed everything up. And mm -hmm. so, um, that's right. No racing during COVID. Yeah. I mean, and so they had like a couple things like before, like December of 2019. So right when COVID started to kind of like ramp up, but they hadn't really like figured out what it was and stuff like that. And they started, um, they, they hadn't shut down races yet. Anything like that. I, I took on a, like, I decided I was going to like be number one on Strava and so, um, I ended up running like over a thousand miles in December, got number one, um, which was wow. really challenging. I mean, it's like running 30 something miles a day. Like I, I, I can't exactly remember how many miles I got, but a lot. And that included like, you know, Christmas, all that stuff. I was still doing it. And then also like at work. Um, so, and then in January I did it again. So I had like 2000 mile uh, months in a row. And then I did it again, or I tried to do it in February, but we only had 28 days. So I got like 940 miles in February. But anyways, I started sort of this like crazy 200 mile streak. And um, yeah, and then that basically got to a point where I it was just I did 18 weeks in a row that I couldn't do that anymore. At the same time, COVID was happening. And uh, so they started doing all those virtual races. And I'm like, well, virtual race, like I can throw down some, like, if we're just putting like miles down, I can throw some major miles down. So I started doing like those virtual races. Um, you know, the guy that does Barkley Laz, he had like a race across Tennessee and it was virtual. And um, I forget how it's like 400 miles or something. And so it's like, I did that, like in the time that he gave everyone to do it once I did it, like, I think two and a half times or something. I got like fifth oh overall. God. So I was like racing back and forth over Tennessee, but it was all virtual and just, I, I don't know. I was just, I mean, just running a ton because COVID was really stressful for me because of my job. And then obviously because COVID was really stressful for everybody and just in life in general. And I just started just, you know, throwing everything I knew into running and, you know, so that's sort of like origin of the streak. Um, I eventually bumped it back down to like hundred mile weeks. Um, mm. But and so when you've done 200 mile weeks for 18 weeks in a row, a hundred mile week seems a lot easier. Um, yeah. but, uh, it's still, it's still pretty hard because <laughs> life, life, yeah, I mean, that's everybody gets in the way. Yeah. And I mean, especially at that time, I'm friends with quite a few firefighters and, you know, law enforcement personnel and know how insane it was. I mean, just the stress level at that period of time for people that were on the front line, you know, handling the riots that were going on and just generally everything with COVID. It's remarkable that you continued training, I mean, in the midst of that. So even dropping down from 200 to 100 is, is in, to me, it's just mind blowing, just kind of seeing what I saw uh, during that period of time. Um, and so it sounds like it wasn't so much like a, a conscious decision of saying, I'm going to run a hundred miles a week for the foreseeable futures more. So you kind of 
like worked your way into it slowly from doing the 200s down to 100s was there like a conscious decision where you said i'm i'm starting this week i'm going to try and hit this streak or how yeah, did that I mean, go so i mean to be fair i have i have 100 mile week streaked before like i did 28 weeks back in i think like 2018 or 2017 um i'm a high volume runner so it's like i i've done a lot of high volume running um i the streak ended in 20 i think 18 or 17 cuz i had a bad race at Badwater and got really, really sick. Um, and so like, I couldn't continue on that week, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think it would go this long. I mean, I, you know, I honestly, I thought I would get COVID and, you know, you see everybody getting sick on COVID. I was literally around it nonstop. Everyone in my fire department got it. Everybody went out on injury, you know, not injury, but everyone went out on sickness and, like I'm like the only one that didn't get it. So, um, unicorn. Yeah. I just, yeah. The unicorn, I just, or maybe I got it. And like, you know, the, the symptoms weren't like great enough, but, um, you know, I just, I just kept, I've just kept going. Like, I mean, it's to me now it's so like, like I just wake up early. I run in the morning I run again in the evening. And like, at the end of the day, it just adds up. I like running long. I like, you know, running 20 miles a day. It like makes me feel good. So, um, Mm. I don't ever like, I very, very rarely do I ever not want to do it. Um, even after a hundred mile race or like a big effort or something like that, I still wake up the next day, like excited to go run again. So at least, I mean, I have that going for me, you know, I mean, it's, 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 if it became unfun or like unjoyful, then I wouldn't like do it. I'm at the point in my life, I'm 45 years old and I don't really, you know, I don't do things in my life anymore that I don't like to do. Like, so if, if running became unjoyful or like not fun, then I wouldn't like, you know, it wouldn't be a thing. Yeah. I thought that it was hilarious. I don't know if you remember this from Camp Strava, but when Hella was on the, uh, on the stage during that panel and he got asked, uh, about you know what what does he do on the days where he just doesn't feel like running because he's been doing yeah. that six year streak of running every day and he just looked at the moderator he's like I never feel I I never feel that way I always feel like running and I wake up every single day you know wanting to do what I'm doing and I think that um, the only way to maintain consistency like you have or Hella has is to truly love and embrace you know what you're doing and really feel that to your core in a way that I think is super unique and not everyone is accessible. To, not, not everyone has that feeling, right? Not everybody's feeling yeah, to, I, to, to run. A hundred percent. I mean, I know not everybody feels like that and you know, but I just like he does, I, I feel that way. I love to run. I mean, it is like, it's one of my favorite things to do in the world. And yeah, I don't, you know, I, I look forward to it every day. You know, I look, yeah. I, I will be in a hundred mile race at mile 80 suffering, thinking about how bad I hurt. And I will already be thinking about the run I'm going to do when I'm done with the race. Like I'm already <laughs> thinking about my next run and I like getting excited for it. Like, you know, I mean, that's a little weird. I, I and I'm sure it is, but, uh, I, I'm, that's just who I am. Like I really, uh, I, I'm, I love running. So, um, and it, it plays a lot of, you know, positivities in my life but like at the end of the day like people are always like why do you do this why do you do this like because i love to do it you know hmm. so well i think you know even for the things that we love the most 
to be as consistent with them and and as dedicated to them as you have been to running, I think that it takes a lot of diligence and well, you know, uh, focus on structuring your life in a certain way. You mentioned that you wake up early and run. I know that you do morning and dinner miles quite yeah. often throughout the week, uh, which I I love dinner miles, man. I've started to do <laughs> dinner miles myself. Good, good. Um, but I'm 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 curious about how you set up your life. Like, what's the structure of your life that's allowed you to stay? so consistently successful, not only with this streak, but also with the race, with the racing that you do? Uh, I mean, I think a big thing, I have a very supportive wife, you know, I mean, that's a a huge, huge aspect of my life is like, you know, my wife supports what I do. She's like a big fan. Like, you know, she wants me to do this stuff and like, she's not the type of person that ever gets like upset or, um, jealous or bitter or anything when it comes to like how much time I spend running. Um, and, and, and we have a really good relationship that's built around it. And so I think if I didn't have that, it would be like a lot harder, but I do have it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm very lucky. Um, and, and she's a stay at home mom. So she is able to like, you know, focus on the kids and do all that sort of stay at home mom stuff where, you know, I, I make the money and, and do all pay all the bills, but like at the end of the day, she's doing all the hard work. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing the hard work. So, uh, I think I, for me, that's the, probably the biggest factor is just having like a really supportive wife. Um, you know, everything else is just kind of like sort of juggling how, figuring out how to like get places and do things. But, um, I wake up early because my wife likes to sleep and my kids are like in those like teenage years kind of like now where they like to sleep too. So it's kind of perfect because I can run while they're sleeping. And then in the evening when everyone's winding down, like I run again and, you know, they're getting ready for bed or doing whatever. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like it's it's taken time to get there. Um, and there's definitely been some negotiation with the wife on how to manage certain time aspects. Um, but you know, we've, we've, we've done a good job and like over the years, like gotten there and and even like before the streak, I still ran a ton. Like I've always like, ever since we've been together, like, I mean, I was running hundred mile races when she met me. So I would, I was already like a high volume, like spending a lot of time in the mountains, doing a lot of stuff like that when we met. Um, so it's, it's like things have changed. Like I don't run. I used to like go off in the mountains for like, you know, days at a time and like, you know, go sleep at a trailhead and just run mountains all day. And I don't do that as much anymore. But like, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I still do it a little bit, but not not as much as I, I, I used to. But, uh, you know, the time running is definitely I, I do a lot. But, she, you know, she is very active. She she works out like three, four hours a day as well. And so while I'm running, she's working out too. And then like, you know, we, we finish working out and then we like have lunch together or do whatever. And then, you know, it's kind of like, we've just found a balance where we're both doing what we love. And then when we're done doing what we love, we get together and then we spend time together and it, you know, it, it, it's, cool. yeah, but it's, it's taken a while to get there because, you know, obviously life gets in the way and there's always factors that, you know, play a part. So. Yeah. Well, aside from the family logistics, I know one of the unique things about your job is like, you'll go on, you'll be at the firehouse for two days or however long your shift is. 
And on that second day, when you're supposed to come home, if there's a call that night or, you know, some scenario where you're having to be up all night or for a large portion of the night and you come back home from that, what does the next day of running look like for you? I mean, that's a really unique and challenging scenario that I'm really curious about. Yeah. So it's like my, so I do a streak and like, you know, a traditional run streak is you run every day, like a mile a day. There's some sort of rule. There's a website, all this stuff. The reason why I made my streak a hundred miles is because like, I literally might be at work and not be able to run. And I don't, you know, they're going to say, Oh, your streak is over now. But it's like, my streak's about mileage, not about every day, even though I do run every day. I don't think I've ever missed a day, but just in case it happens, because my job is, is the way it is. That's how I made, I structured my streak. Um, and I don't really care about their rules. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm at work for two days minimum. I've been at work up to 21 days straight. So not going home for 21 days. A lot of times it's four days, five days, things like that. Um, and so there is a lot of time where I do not get a lot of sleep. I'm at a, like a busier station where we get a lot of calls at night. And so I might only get an hour or two of broken sleep if I'm lucky throughout a night. Um, which I know, you know, I, I a lot of people lecture me about, oh, you don't get enough sleep. And um, I understand the importance of sleep and I've read the studies and I, and I, and I know all this stuff. Um, but when you're a firefighter, you have to like make sacrifices in order to do your job. And probably the number there's two sacrifices that are the, the biggest one is you miss out on family stuff, Christmas, birthdays, stuff like that. You're just inevitably going to miss that stuff. And then two sleep. And, uh, Will I die earlier? Probably. Will I, uh, you know, get Alzheimer's or dementia or something like that? Probably. Um, but you know, that's sort of the, like the risk you take when you sign up to do a job that you stay on shift for, you know, days and days at a time and get calls all night. Um, now I, at the station, if I can, I'll take a nap and try to like rest. But, uh, you know, if you read the research, they'll tell you like, you know, no amount of rest will, you, you won't recover the sleep you you lost. But back to the original question, I come <laughs> home, I'm wrecked. You know, I say I haven't slept, you know, well or anything like that. I always go out and run when I get home. And I love that run hmm. because it reminds me of like mile 90 of an ultra where like I'm so tired and like I have no energy. Performance is in the shitter. Um and I, ha I have to push through and, and run those 10 miles or 15 miles. And um, I find it really beneficial for me mentally. Physically, it's I'm not getting anything out of it. They're, you know, junk miles, you know, because, you know, I haven't slept. My performance is going to be down. But like mentally, it, it's going to give me an edge when I'm at mile 90 in a race and I'm super tired and I want to just lay down on the ground and die. I'm going to go, no, you just, you got 10 miles. You're just going to push through it. So I try to flip the negative into a positive in my head and, and like make it like a, like a, a challenge or like, um, you know, something like that. But it's, I mean, it's not fun. I, 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 I come home. I, after my run, I eat and then I take a nap. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's hard, <laughs> but it, like, I, I like it, you know, I mean, I, when we have a terrible night at work, like, you know, you get like five call we call it like firefighters like they judge how many calls you get after midnight is like how shitty your night was so it's like you get like five calls after midnight you're like man that was a terrible night i'm always like good ultra training 
you know, because Hmm. you're not getting sleep and I'm having to like perform, do complex tasks, whatever. Like sometimes they're medical aid. Sometimes it's like, you know, a crazy car accident or a fire or like whatever, mm-hmm. a very dynamic situation that I have to navigate on very little sleep, um, which is a lot like an ultra, like, you know, like the flies, the heat, like whatever, like, you know, weather, it could rain, it could snow. And you have to navigate this on very little sleep in an ultra and still like perform. So I, I, I think it's an advantage being a firefighter because like, you know, a lot of people don't, don't get an opportunity to like, you know, not sleep on the regular and still have to perform. So yeah, that exposure to fatigue seems like, I mean, it's, it's a real challenge, it's a real challenge to do consistently, yeah. but being comfortable with that and kind of knowing that territory seems like a huge advantage for a lot of the racing that you do. Um, I've got a I couple so. more logistical questions for you. Okay. okay. Um, first one is, is I'm really curious about, you know, I, I own and operate a sports injury clinic right. in the Bay area. And I'm very, I'm very curious about your injury history and, and if you've suffered any major injuries along this, especially the last three years, what does your injury history look like? Um, for you, like, I think. Specific to I running, tor- we'll say. Yeah. I've torn my hamstring twice. Um, both pretty significant were like the back of my hamstring turned like completely black, you know, mm-hmm. um, both were from falls, um, where I like basically oh, wow. tripped, tripped. And like, as I fell, I like, I don't know what the, the technical term is, but like probably like hyperextended my hamstring and then it tore. Um, I, I think I've done that twice, maybe three times. Um, I've fallen and broken, I think like two or three ribs. Um, all, most of my injuries are all from falls. I've, uh, <laughs> let's see. I, I had a wall fall on me during a fire and, um, I hurt my ankle pretty significantly and then got like cellulitis in my ankle from, I think probably like some sort of infection or something from the material in the fire. And I had to go on like That's antibiotics. Hard. So my like ankle swelled up with the cellulitis and was like weeping and, and stuff like that. Um, trying to think, I mean, a lot of, obviously just a lot of just like sore muscle soreness and like, you know, things will like hurt for a couple of days at a time. Like occasionally like my Achilles, if I do like a lot of like, um, like vert, like I, I'll get like a sore Achilles or something like that. But, um, Nothing like, I mean, I guess those are all significant injuries, but nothing that like has, has stopped me from running. I, you know, I don't recommend people run through injuries and I, I feel a slight amount of pressure because I have like all these people that follow me to like give responsible, um, advice about injuries and stuff like that. But I don't necessarily follow that. And it just is what it is. Like, I guess if you want to have a run streak as prolific as this, um, then at times you're going to have to like, uh, like push through like things like that. And, and you probably shouldn't, but, um, so did, I, did any I of those do. happen in the last three years? Yeah. All did those any of those injuries happen? Yeah. Those are all in the last <laughs> oh three years. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've, you've torn your hamstring twice and broken your ribs 
and yeah. got cellulitis in your ankle all in the last three years amidst the run streak. Yeah. I probably have more stuff too. I, I, I you know, I, I always tell myself I should like write down cause I'll be like, Oh, you know, something will hurt. And my, my rule, which I probably shouldn't like go like too deep, but I basically like, I'm like, okay, this hurts. We're going to keep running and we're going to see like where it goes. And if it doesn't go away, like after like a couple weeks, then, then I will like reevaluate like what I should do. But it always seems that like after a couple weeks, besides the hamstring tears, those took really a long, I mean, I had one that it hurt for six months at least. Um, yeah. I, that, one of them happened mile five of a 250 mile race. And then I had to go another 245 miles with this torn hamstring. And that, that was pretty hard. Um, hmm. But um, yeah, like I said, I, I don't recommend people do these things, but the, I mean, the reality is, is like, yeah, I, I do get injured, but they don't, the thing is, is like, they don't tend to be overuse injuries. They tend to be falling injuries. It's like trauma that has yeah. caused my injuries, not necessarily like running too much or, you know, at least, at least that's been my experience. Um, early in my career, like I've had, like, I had like planter once, um, I had like bone spurs, um, that flicked my Achilles that I had to deal with. Um, but Nothing like really too significant. Uh, I, I sometimes mm. like uh, not in the last three years, but like I've been running for 21 years. So, you know, obviously I, I've had a little of everything. I, I had some, you know, IT band issues, um, things like that, that I've had to work through. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think what I mentioned, those are probably the big ones in the last three years that I can think of. So, wow. I mean, I partially tore my hamstring twice playing football when I was younger. And, you know, I had, I mean, it went, my, my, the back of my thigh was completely black. I think pretty similar yeah. to what you're describing. I would never run through. <laughs> there is no chance that I would run the next day after that. I, I just remember that. I mean, I've broken a bunch of bones and had a ton of different injuries, but that injury was so painful. Yeah. Oh my God, man. I, Sometimes that's, that's it's unreal. like, I'll, I'll be in pain and, um, I just find what doesn't hurt. Like, um, I think when the hamstring thing first happened, like, uh, like I couldn't run downhill, like I could run uphill, mm -hmm. but I couldn't run downhill. Mm -hmm. So I would like, I'd have my wife drop me off and I would just run, you know, 15 miles uphill. And then I'd have her pick me up at the top or wherever I was, you know, just, just cause I didn't want to run downhill cause it just hurt too bad. Um, I'll do stupid mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, um, until, you know, eventually, it, but I remember like for six months, it hurt me to like lift my leg to get in my car, you know, cause that hamstring, like, you know, you, you use that to, you, you don't realize what you use your hamstring for until you like really need it. But, yeah. um, yeah, that I, my hamstring, I, that, I don't like that when that thing gets hurt, that sucks. So. That's brutal. Well, so, okay. <laughs> That's an unbelievable list of injuries to have had amidst this streak. I I'm curious about the recovery tools that you use just to kind of keep yourself going. What does your recovery routine look like outside of getting, you know, the, the incredible amount of sleep that you get going one to two hours a night? Like what, right. what is your recovery routine? I wish, like? I mean, like after a hundred miler, I, I do sleep more and I, and I, and I, before I run a hundred miler, 
I tend to like sleep more too. Like I, I, I try to use sleep for recovery and for taper. Um, so like right now I'm like not setting my alarm, not that it's really working all that well, but like, I'm not sleep. I'm not setting my alarm. I'm taking a good nap during the day. Um, trying to sleep more. So that would obviously be a big recovery. Like, um, you know, I drink a ton of water, just an absolute ridiculous amount of water every day. Um, I don't like measure it, but like, I'm always drinking and I'm like somebody with a ferocious, like appetite for, for fluids. I'm not one of those people that like, doesn't like to drink. Like I drink a lot. Um, I do take some supplements. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily know like if they all work or what they do, but like, you know, I, I, I take a fair amount of like, uh, supplements that, you know, some say help with recovery. Some say help with muscle performance, all that sort of stuff. You know, I, I'm not a nutritionalist. I'm not a doctor. You know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. They talk about stuff and I'm like, yeah, I'll try it, you know, and, and maybe it helps and maybe it doesn't. Um, maybe I just pee it out, but I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm, How about stretching and body care? That sort so, of stuff. <laughs> I am a very inflexible person like to the point where I can barely touch my knees and I've been like that my entire life. Um, and so no, I don't, I mean, occasionally I'll, I will do some very minor, I have like a guy on YouTube and I will occasionally go on his like stretching 10 minute video and I will do the routine. But, um, I find personally, and again, I'm only an expert in Andy Glaze. But when I do stretching or stuff like that, I tend to get injured. Um, and so I, you know, I, I stay away from it. Um, hmm. And I know that's counter to a lot of things, but I, it's almost like the steel rod. Like, you know, there's you got the rubber band and the steel rod. I'm the steel rod. So I'm like, you're not going to bend the steel rod, but, you know, the steel rod's very strong. So like, you know, my body's, you know, very strong, but like it's, it's, and that's probably like why when I trip and fall, like I tear a hamstring because there's no, no flexibility in, in my, you know, hamstring. It's just like a solid, like, you know, again, I'm not a doctor. I, I don't know. I'm just, these are the things that I think about because, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about it, but, um, yeah, I know that's not good. This year, I actually made a commitment to myself that I was going to stretch more, and then I did it for like a month, and then I fell off the wagon. So, um, well, you don't want to yeah. get injured, you know. I I don't want to get injured, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's you know, I don't know, man. Like everyone tells me I should stretch, and I get it, and I understand the science behind it and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I just don't do it. So. Right or wrong, you know, maybe someone out there could can help me out, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not something I do. Um, well, I think I get. I think you know, I don't have any agenda in asking you that question. It's no, more I so like when we have so a, a someone who's done something so prolific as you have deconstructing that and kind of reverse engineering some of the process that's very unique to you. Like, like you always say, like you're an expert in Andy Glaze, right? But there's a lot of lessons that we can pull from, you know, the experiences that you've had. And, you know, in regards to stretching or not stretching, I mean, whatever works for you, I think is is great. And maybe that will evolve over time or maybe you'll find some specific routine that works for you. Um, 
but I'm more interested. I'm less interested in like communicating something through you and much more so in just hearing what you're doing, you know, like right, it's, right. it's well, a remarkable thing. Very little when it comes to that. I mean, before I run, I do some like very basic dynamic stretching, you know, all the sort of like leg kicks and like, you know, rotating my hips and my ankles and just warming the body up. Like, you know, just a real simple sort of dynamic stretching routine, um, which I think a lot of runners do. Um, but I also like when I start running, my first mile is very, very slow. Um, I'm just kind of just getting the blood flowing and warming up and just, you know, it's a, it's a very relaxed pace and I, it's more like a negative split. Not that I'm like, I I'm mostly zone two, but like, um, my point is, is that like, you know, I'll do some dynamic stretching and then I'll run a very slow mile and then I'll just slowly progress. Um, hmm. What else do I do? Um, I, I do get a fair amount of massages. I, I am a huge fan of massage. Um, cool. At least, I mean, at, at least one a week, unless like something crazy. And after a big effort, you know, I'll probably get like two or three a week. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's something I, I enjoy. Um, and I, and I think is helpful. Um, I do sauna and ice bath quite regular. I mean, every day I do it. I shouldn't say regular. I do it every day. Um, <laughs> and, and I've changed routines all, all like a bunch of different ways right now. I'm doing like a, like a, a cycle of two minutes and 10 minutes, like cold, hot, cold, hot. Um, but I, I do really enjoy like the cold, um, the cold plunge type type activity on my sore muscles. Um, I think it helps. I, you know, again, not a doctor, not a scientist, but, uh, at the very least I feel good when I get in there and I feel great when I get out. So if it's really doing anything, I don't know, but, um, I do do it. So, you know, I, I hate, I hate getting into the whole like dynamics of diet, but I am a vegan, you know, some people say that that diet can reduce inflammation. Some people say it causes inflammation. I don't know. Uh, again, not a dietitian, but, uh, for me it works. And, uh, you know, it, it maybe that's a, a factor too. I don't know. So, mm. but I, you yeah. know, I, I don't know what makes, makes it all. I, maybe it's like my whole life I feel like is wrapped up around some sort of recovery or trying to recover. So I don't think it's like one solid thing and maybe one, all those little things combined, you know, are like 10% or 5%. You know, maybe there's some genetics, maybe, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Um, well, I think that that's a, I mean, that's a great comprehensive answer because all you can do is really reflect on what you do, you know? So, yeah. um, I mean, I love the, the contrast with the ice bath and the sauna is fantastic and, and a great way. I mean, I particularly like that contrast. Um, as opposed to like just doing an ice bath or, or just doing sauna, the contrast to me is fantastic. And there's, you know, there's varying degrees of research or conflicting ideas on what that does or does not do for you. But I mean, it sounds like you've got a process that, that certainly works for you and it's, you know, stood the test of not only the past three years, but really the last like 20 years for you. Um, and to, to kind of get back into, you know, the streak and, and the experience of it all over the last three years, but even beyond that. Um, I'm curious what your most memorable runs have been outside of racing. So what have been the most memorable runs or run uh, that you've had in the last three years? 
Uh, I, I think my favorite is like uh, I've had rim to rim to rim out in the Grand Canyon. Um, is just a, like a magical experience. I went and did that solo one day. Um, and it was, it was so amazing. Like it was like running through a national geographic all day. Um, I have all these friends in Flagstaff and they go do it and I see it on their Strava and their Instagram. And I just get like so jealous cause I've only ever done it once, but, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was pretty magical. Um, this year I, for my birthday, I ran a hundred miles and, uh, not a race just for fun. And I like invited the community to like join me. And so, um, I had like a Garmin tracker and I like ran it and people could find me. And I had all these people show up and run with me. And, uh, that was pretty amazing as well. Like, uh, you know, some people like, you know, we'd conversed on social media, some people I'd never really talked to and they just showed up and ran. And, um, yeah, it was fun just like running with, you know, other cool runners and like, you know, celebrating my birthday by, you know, running a hundred miles. Um, Anywhere I go, like I try to run. So I, I've had some like I we we did like I do. Um, we my wife and I went to Iceland and we ran around. I or I drove around Iceland, but then like every time we'd stop, I'd like go run throughout Iceland, and that was that was pretty epic as well. There's uh, it's just a, such a beautiful country, and we got like perfect weather, so I was able to like you know no rain and it was sunny and green and. Um, yeah, that was that was quite quite an amazing place to run as well. So, yeah, I'd say those are my probably highlights: Iceland, Grand Canyon, and then my birthday. But I mean, real realistically, I've run all over the whole world, and anywhere I go, I run, and I always love it. So, you know, yeah, it's kind of cool. Like yeah. you know, Strava has the your heat map, mm-hmm. and you can like you go back and see where you ran. And so like I like you know I'll get the globe out and I'll be like I'll like spin it and be like oh they're China and I'll like zoom in. And I'll like see my heat map in China and I'll be like, oh, and I'll start thinking about the run and I'll be like, oh, there's Singapore. And I'll like go to Singapore and like start thinking about my run in Singapore. And then it's like, oh, Japan, you know, and it's like, I love that. I love like reflecting on all the places I've run. And I have this weird like tick too, where I have like a photographic memory when it comes to like my runs, like. You know, some people can remember like a part number, like, oh, that's part T563. You know, I I don't know how to spell. I, you know, I can't remember anybody's name, but like I can still remember any trail I've run um, like my whole life. Like, and so I, I will like think back and I can like, I'll go like turn by turn. So it's like, like San Diego, for instance, like, you know, I've run that race. So it's like before I ran it on Friday. I literally was in my head, just like running the race in my head, like thinking about the turns and where I was going to go and what I was going to see. And yeah, it's like, it's, it's like, I guess it's a, a weird thing, but like, that's, that's me. And so like, I will reflect on all these amazing runs I've had my whole life. Um, <laughs> and, and I love it. So <laughs> I yeah, actually, sometimes awesome. when I can't sleep at night, I will like, just think about cool places I've run and I'll just start running through them in my brain and then fall asleep. So <laughs> that's rad. I mean, that's it. That's quite a skill. Hopefully you do not get dementia or Alzheimer's <laughs> later on because that's, <laughs> you want to hang on to those. Um, yeah. I mean, that's rad, man. I I've done rim to rim in the grand Canyon. I got rim to rim to rim on deck pretty soon. 
Um, but that canyon is just magical, man. And I've oh, been is. out to Iceland as well is, is just an insane place. I mean, just going through the different climates, you yes. know, all over that place. It, it's, that, it's just a remarkable place. I actually didn't do any running while I was in Iceland. So I'm going to need to go back and, and, uh, I'll probably pick your brain for some ideas on some runs out there. Yeah, we but. did the, the rim road. So we ran, we drove the entire, uh, road all around the entire Island and, yeah, it was pretty cool. There's definitely like a mountain at some point, And I was like on my Strava, like looking at heat maps. Cause you know, you can see where other people have run. You do the glow. And I was like, okay, there's a trail here. I know there's a trail. And I would just like follow this Strava <laughs> to figure out how to get to the top of this mountain. Cause I could see it. I'm like, it's probably like 10 miles away. I should be able to do it. And then I would just like, you know, I'm climbing over fences and there's like sheep everywhere. I mean, you know, it's an adventure. But yeah. And your wife is sitting in the car like, what the fuck is going on? Well, she's at the hotel probably getting a massage at a spa <laughs> or something, you know? Uh, well, that works out. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get back to your streak. I, I know, you know, a streak like this takes an insane amount of personal diligence and commitment and just kind of structure overall. Um, but like you mentioned on your birthday, you're doing, you're setting up a hundred mile run where you invite the community out to do that with you. And when I look at your page and, you know, I've looked through all your content, it's like, you're, you're bringing a lot of people along with you. You're running with friends. You are taking part in the race community on a very frequent and regular basis. Talk a little bit about what the, the running community means to you and how it's given back to you over the last three years and beyond? Yeah. I mean, I think my favorite aspect of like just social media in general is just the positivity that a lot of the like running community is like, like surrounds themselves with. And like, I get, you know, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, you inspire me. And and I, and I get that a lot. And I love that, but like everybody inspires me as well. Like you know, I get all these messages about people that have lost weight or stopped smoking or stopped drinking and started running and discovered running. They're doing their first half marathon. They're doing their first 5K. Um, and I can remember when that was me. And so, like, I, I love that feeling. It's very, very inspiring to me to see everybody out there, like, getting it and doing it. And I know we all have days off and we are, we all have bad days and good days and you know, not everybody is getting it like I am every day, but, um, I just am super inspired by the whole community and, and, and I really, I really love it. Um, I do, when I run, I do have a few running friends, um, mostly ultra runners, you know, that yeah, I've come up in this community with, I do enjoy my, my time alone when I do run by myself. Cause you know, I mean, that is, that is one thing, but then in races, I love running with other people. And, and I think people will attest to you that if, if you ever talk to anybody that has met me at a race, I will talk your ear off. Um, <laughs> I, I'm the guy that literally will be like, where do you live? What's your family? Like, how many kids do you have? What job do you have? Do you like your job? Like, and I just want to learn everything about you. Um, and yeah, if you get stuck with me in a race, we're going to be best friends by the end. So, um, and I meet like just in San Diego, like, God, I met so many cool people that, um, that I didn't know before. Um, the, the sort of the weird, uh, thing about, uh, be having, ma making content and stuff is everybody knows me, but like, I don't necessarily know them. So 
for me, yeah. it's like they know everything about me. And I, and I don't always like know like how much they know, but like it, it seems like they know a lot. A lot of a lot of people know a lot. So um because I obviously put a lot out there. So it's always like a delicate, like I'm not sure who I'm talking to, if they know me or they don't. I always find it really refreshing when someone doesn't know me because I'm like, oh, thank God. I'm they, I'm just like a random runner to this person right now. It's so great. But um, yeah, I, I, I love it, man. And I love going to these races because, um, you know, it's addictive. I get to meet all these people that, uh, you know, that I talk to or converse online and, and whatnot. And yeah, I mean, in general, I just love the community. I love inspiring people. I love people inspiring me. And, you know, I just want to, I just want to keep giving back because I always say like running saved my life. And like, I, I hope that, that, you know, that it can save somebody else's life. But like, if I inspire somebody, then I hope that they inspire somebody and then that person inspires somebody. And, and that's what it's really all about to me is like that butterfly effect of like, I help the guy next to me. And then that guy helps the guy next to him. And like 20 people down the line, some guy's getting helped or some girl's getting helped. And they don't even know that they're getting helped because like 20 people go like, somebody watched one of my videos or like, you know, mm. sent me a DM and asked for like advice, you know? And I, and, and I mm. love that about, you know, social media. It's, 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 it's really quite amazing. Yeah. The compounding effect for sure. I'm curious. I mean, how did running save your life? Uh, I mean, it's, I was just in low points in my life when I was in my early twenties. Like, um, I, was not a very active person from like my late teenage years till probably like 24. Um, and like drugs, drinking, smoking, overweight, uh, no exercise and started having like intense anxiety, depression, all the like, uh, psychological problems that you have from, doing nothing and being, you know, overweight at a young age and got into exercise and then got into running and, you know, never have really stopped since. Um, and so I always look at it as like, you know, being active exercise in general, like saved my life, but, you know, running has like given me so much purpose in life and, um, really helped me through like a lot of rough times and, you know, um, heartache and deaths in the family and all the things that life entails stress and jobs and everything that like, I just really feel like, you know, without it, I don't know really where I'd be. So what do you think it is that's unique about running that has helped you through those things? I mean, for me, I, I found surfing when I was in pretty gnarly spot in my life, like really bad place. And it saved my life. And I've kind of had that experience of like being saved by a sport. Yeah. Um, what do you think it was about running specifically as opposed to cycling or, or any other form of sport that really grabbed you? So, I mean, I've tried lots of things. I've tried cycling. I've tried, you know, I've done triathlons. I've done obstacle course racing. I've done a lot of weightlifting. Um, and I, and I loved all of them. I just, for whatever reason, like running, is like the like number one thing. Like maybe um, when I was younger, I was like maybe a little bit better at it than everything else. So then it was like, um, you know, like an easy, like if you're good at something, then like 
it, it's more rewarding on some level, you know, um, not that like, you don't still have to like work towards it, but like inherently, if you have a little bit of skill, then like it, it makes everything like better. Um, I mean, it gave me something to focus on. It gave me like, you know, if I have a run in the morning, I don't want to drink tonight, you know? And so like little like micro changes in your like lifestyle, um, because you have something like a goal or something to focus on, like surfing or running or like, Hey, like I, I'm not going to go party till two in the morning because I'm at 6am I'm going on a five mile run. Like those are like little mic like micro changes that like change everything, even though you're not really thinking about it at the time. And then you start to like hang around people that like to run or like to exercise or like to lift weights or whatever you're doing. Um, and then those people are the same, like, well, they're going to bed at nine o'clock cause they got to wake up early for their long run, or they're going to bed at nine o'clock cause you got to get to the, the surf spot early, whatever it is. Like you start aligning yourself with people that have those same sort of like, you know, that same pathway, um, which tends to be more positive. And then what I've found in the running community is a lot of runners are very like successful driven people. And so then you start surrounding yourself with like successful driven people. And then that's like a really positive change in your life too, because if you surround yourself with people like that, then, then, you know, it's easier for you to become that person. Um, which I think is really good too. You know, you hang, hang, the old say, what's you hang around losers, you're going to be a loser, right? You hang around winners and you're going to be a winner. So, um, all the, all those things kind of combined. Um, I mean, I love running because for one thing, it's like, it gives me a lot, it kind of like shuts my brain off sometimes. Like, I think you, sometimes you can like think too much overthink. And like, when I run, like it, I, I get a little quiet in my brain, which I appreciate because I'm, I'm like somebody that, I'm, I'm, I'm very high, strong. I'm very type A personality. I'm a very intense person. At least that's what people tell me. Um, and, uh, especially like in work and, and things like that. So it gives me a, like a sort of outlet to like decompress and maybe not be so intense. Um, when well, I think what you said about, uh, the community of, of running, just being full of high achieving people is so true. And running is kind of this gateway where not only do you kind of start to ingrain habits that support more and better running, but you also get access to these people. Like I went on right. a run with a buddy last night and I, I was thinking about that right after the run. I'm like, man, I've, I've kind of gone in and out of running. Like I've running's always been a part of my life, but you know, there are times where it's much more a part of my life than others. And recently it's been heavily a part of my life, especially pretty much this entire year, but it has been like the ultimate connector to cool people. You know, it's like the most accessible thing and it's just so easy to get a good conversation in with either a good friend or, or someone that you've never known or, you know, never met. Like you have like what you've experienced at races and all that. And, and I've just seen running as this, um, this sport that gives back in a very unique way when it comes to community and just kind of connecting to people, unlike like even surfing for me or cycling or whatever it is like going on a run with someone is such a, a good and intimate experience where you can really get to know someone. And like you said, a, a lot of people that resonate heavily with running generally resonate with 
pretty high achieving things in their, in their life. Um, and so I, I love running for that reason. Um, but I want to get back to your, to your racing. Um, okay. and I, I want to know what, what the, um, what of the, the top three or five or whatever you want to mention, like what have the most challenging races been for you? Um, it's like, it's like, I guess you could look at it two ways. Like I've had challenging races where I did, I wasn't successful. So on some level, the ones that I didn't finish, um, like, like bad water, for instance, like the one where you run through death Valley and it's, it was 128 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, that was, you know, I ended up having like a crazy electrolyte imbalance and like didn't pee for 18 hours and like my entire body cramped and like, you know, I was like really concerned about rhabdo and all this stuff, but so obviously on some level, that's a really challenging race. Um, uh, my last two races, San Diego and Canyons 100 were like, I I had such like struggles that, you know, that in in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking about those right now, but, um, the, the Coco Canyons challenge thing that I did, uh, like, three weeks ago where I ran a hundred miles and then took one day off and then ran 250 miles. I mean, that's the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life, mentally, physically, everything. Um, that was, that took me to like another level that I'll, I'll probably never, ever reach ever again. Uh, and I, if I do, I don't know how I'll get there. I mean, that was, we'll call that the pinnacle. I don't, I don't know if I ever want to reach that, that level again, but, um, <laughs> That, that, that was, that was a, that was a pretty challenging, uh, like situation. Um, can you talk about why, why was I, that challenging and, well, and how so did you like, navigate that? So the first race was really, really hot. It was like 97 degrees. Um, 65% of the people like quit during the race. So, I mean, there was, and, and some really talented people like didn't make it. I mean, it was just a really hard race. The first one. Um, the heat, the exposure, um, you know, for me, it was like the, the aid stations weren't super great for me cause I'm a vegan. So they didn't have like a lot of like food situations that I could eat. And then the drop bag situation was like, they only had like two drop bags and the first one was like at mile 50. So I, it, it was challenging for me, like calorie wise. Cause I had to carry a bunch of food. Um, so I had a heavy pack and then the heat mixed with, you know, all the normal technical terrain, all that stuff had 17,000 feet of vert, um, which is, is quite, it was basically running Western (laughs) States in reverse. So you ran up to forest Hill, which is like on the Western States course. And that was like mile 70 and then had to turn around and run back into Auburn. Um, so I had to survive that and it was like so hot. I, I ended up getting really bad heat rash on my legs, which then turned to chafing. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm so screwed because I had this 250 miler in one day and I'm literally, my inner thighs look like hamburger meat. I'm literally bleeding on my inner thighs. And then I had, I finished it and literally had to drive to the airport, fly to Phoenix, spend the day getting my drop bags ready for the next race. And then the next morning, uh, start a 250 mile race with 40,000 feet of vert. Um, and you know, the first 70 miles are like you, you climb 
I don't even know, like 20,000 feet or something, something stupid. Um, and it was hot and, you know, I had to filter my own water. I mean, on and on and on. It was just, it got, it got a little crazy. I was up for 41 hours from canyons with all the travel time and everything. Went to sleep, slept a, a little bit, not a whole lot. Cause I woke up cause I was so hungry because after a hundred mile you're just starving. So I wake up, I eat, you know, I like tried to take a nap during the day, but it didn't really work. And then I had to like go drop off my drop bag. So I was already like super sleep deprived starting the 250 miler. Then I was up for 42 hours straight, the first 42 hours of Cocodona. And then, so the last half of my race, I was like, it was really hard for me to stay awake. Um, my body was just like, like just giving out. And so, but I had to just keep pushing, keep moving forward. But sometimes there was times, especially in the middle of the night, like three o'clock in the morning, you know, I would like go a mile and my body would just be like, okay, lie down and sleep. And I would just fall asleep for like 10 minutes. And then I would get up and I would go another mile. And then my body would just give out again. And it was like fighting my body uh, mixed with all the other normal stuff in an ultra, you know, it was hot during the day, cold during the night. Like I had to manage all my own food, all my nutrition, um, all that sort of stuff. Um, I had that chafing issue. I ended up like taking tape and taping my legs like, like a mummy to, you know, protect them so that the chafing wouldn't continue. But then that tape, because it was so hot and my legs were so hot that the, the actual glue on the tape melted. And so then the tape fell off. And then I'm like, so I'm putting like tape on top of glue on top of bloody thought. I mean, it was, you know, it was quite the experience. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, some of those lows were, were pretty, pretty dang low. And, um, just having to continue on and push through was, was very challenging. <laughs> that is so crazy, man. I mean, yeah. it sounds like you were ripe for another round of cellulitis, uh, <laughs> by the end of that Cocodona race. Um, and then what was it like two or three days later, you're at Camp Strava yeah, well, with us. Actually the day after the, <laughs> the day after the 350, I ran a half marathon with my wife. And then oh, the next man. day, the next day I did Camp Strava. So. Holy smokes. And you had the biggest smile on your face. I mean, for the brief moment that I saw you, you were just so stoked. Yeah. I, it, you are a different dude. Um, <laughs> what's it? So in the event of like, I, I, I would imagine that at Cocodona, when you're so sleep deprived, you're pretty delirious. Um, and it's, I would imagine that like the clarity of your self-talk and like the intention of your self-talk is, is so muddy that there's almost not like a mantra that you can say, or, or like a distinct conversation that you can have to kind of push yourself through. But can you talk a little bit about what the mental process is like when you're in that sort of state that allows you to keep going versus, you know, you mentioned in the, in the hundred miler that you did like 65% of the field dropped out. Like, why do you think that you made it through and 65% of people did not? I think, you know, I'm not super competitive anymore in, in my racing. Like I, I do occasionally have a good race. And, um, I think when I used to DNF before 
I would get like really frustrated if I was having a bad race or if I felt just really, really terrible. And it would cause me to go into like a mental spiral of you're doing shitty. People are going to start passing you. You're going to like, you know, you're going to get a terrible time. You're going to, you're not going to, you know, be in the top 10 or top 20 or whatever I was shooting for. Um, And that would, that mental like spiral would cause me to like quit or whatever. Um, And I don't have that anymore. Like for me now, it's like, I just really want to like complete the challenge that I set for myself. And so even in the like really low points, if I'm like, like super tired and like, like this, like San Diego, like I could not move my legs the last like three or four miles. Like no matter how hard I pushed myself, like I could like barely run. And it was so frustrating to me. Um, But if I get in those moments, I just sort of, just remind myself that all I have to do is just keep moving forward. Even if I'm moving forward at the absolute slowest pace possible, um, I'm still going to get there. And like the best way, like I, I, I sort of think about it, like, like, have you ever been in a, a run with somebody and you stopped to tie your shoes or you stopped to take a piss and they kept running and you're literally only tying your shoes for like 10 or 15 seconds or taking a piss for like 30 seconds, but like you look up and they're like so far ahead of you. Right. And it's only been 30 seconds. And why is that? And it's because like they keep moving forward. And so like, Mm -hmm. even in like the lowest points, if you just keep moving forward, like you're going to get there. And I just sort of just remind myself that like, it's more of a mantra about just like continuing to move forward and just continuing to like, make ground. And even if that ground is like super slow, like you'll get there. Um, and then, you know, I have, because I've raced a lot and I've run a lot, I have a lot of experience with, um, the highs and lows of a race and realizing that even if I feel really terrible right this moment, that doesn't mean I'm going to feel really terrible in 20 minutes. Um, and you know, lots of factors can play into that. Um, food being a big one. You know, um, I race aid station to aid station. So if I'm feeling terrible in between an aid station, a lot of times in my brain, I sort of remind myself, like, you probably just need to eat. You're going to get to that aid station. You're going to like, you're going to throw down a thousand calories and that's going to make you feel better. And, and normally it does. Um, food is an amazing in an ultra you know, I've, I've lots of little sayings. I say like, you know, if you're going, if you're feeling good, slow down. If you're feeling like shit, eat that. That's like one of my little sayings. And then like, you know, you know, we run restaurant to restaurant. That's like an ultra. Cause you're basically running from like one aid station to the next and they have all this food. So all you gotta do is get to the next restaurant to, to like be able to eat. Uh, ultras are an eating competition because, you know, in, in general, like if you don't eat, like you're not going to be successful in an ultra. You have to be able to take calories in. Um, and so like, you know, these are all things I just sort of think about. So if I'm feeling really, really terrible to me, normally I'm, I'm thinking like it's, it's revolving around, I need calories or I need to eat. So I'll, I'll, you know, and that gets hard sometimes when it's 97 degrees out, you know, you don't necessarily feel like eating, you know, and then you start getting mm-hmm. dehydrated and all that stuff. So that, that gets a little tricky and that, that's learning. You got to learn about your body. You got to learn about what your body needs, what your stomach can handle. 
and, and all and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but yeah, for me, I at the very core, it's just that moving forward. Just you know, just you got to just keep moving forward, even if you're walking, mm-hmm. even if you're you know hiking, whatever whatever it is. Um, and and just having that trust that I will feel better at some point it doesn't always happen, you know. Sometimes you just feel terrible for long periods of time and, you know, you end the race, and the race is over and you're like, well, that last, you know, I mean, the last, I, I didn't, I always run in, you know, like at the end of the ultra, like in San Diego, I was literally having the talk with myself where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to run over the finish line. I'm, I might just like hobble across and just collapse. I was literally thinking that that's how terrible the end of the race was for me. But, you know, then you hear everybody cheering and like, I did some sort of like, you know, hobble run over the the finish line, but um yeah, I was that I was that was a hard one at the end of that race. So, yeah. Wow. Well, I know throughout your career, I mean, as long as it's been, you've gone through a lot of highs and lows, and I know that you you've mentioned DNFs and and those experiences a few times. Um I'm curious if you have any advice for someone who just DNF'd a race. And it's trying to kind of pick the pieces back up. Any any words of wisdom or advice for for someone going through that? Yeah, experience? I, I, I actually made this awesome reel about it once, and it basically goes something like this: "Welcome to the club." You know, like uh, if, if if this is your first <laughs> DNF or whatever, it's like, hey, most everybody in the ultra community has one, and uh, you know, we're all super cool. So you know, welcome to the club. Um, but no, on a serious on a serious note. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the whole idea of, you know, failure as a teacher and, and, and all that stuff. I, I think it's important if you fail at something that you, you take a look at both the positives and the negatives of the experience and figure out what didn't work and, and, then, and then focus on that and work on it. And then also focus on what did work and, you know, keep that and build on it. Um, I mean, it's, I, I think it's a good thing. Like I, I feel like I'm a very mentally strong person. And I think that the reason that I got so mentally strong was because I did fail so much in the beginning of my ultra career. And a lot of that failure was due to mental weakness. And so I had to like take a hard look at that and um, examine why I gave up or, you know, what caused me to not want to continue um, and some of them were out of my, you know, hands, like I said, in bad water, obviously it was like an electrolyte thing. You know, there's no, I, I couldn't bounce back from that. Um, you know, I've fallen and knocked myself out, but I I've had some issues where I, I think back and I have regret and I think back and I, I'm like, you could have, you could have finished that Andy, you could have, um, you just didn't want to. And, um, so hmm. I kind of just look at it as all part of the, the, the journey of, you know, becoming a better person. And, you know, failure is part of becoming a better person because if we succeeded all the time, A, it wouldn't be worth it. And, and, and B, you wouldn't really learn anything. You just think you were doing it like you were doing it right. And that was, that was it. So, um, like, like I always try to turn negatives into positives. So if, if you're thinking that a failure is a negative, then like my advice would be like, try to look at how failure is really a positive and, and, and try to look at the, the positive aspects of failing and, and, and how that can make you a better athlete, a better husband, a better person, or, you know, a better, whatever. Um, because, you know, I, 
ultras and running are a microcosm, but like, it's really all about life. And, you know, it's, it's the big picture, right? Like I'm, I'm mentally tough in an ultra, but I'm also mentally tough at work. I'm mentally tough at home. Um, when I'm out and about, I, I use all the same lessons in an ultra that I do in life. Um, when it comes to promotions or, or anything I do, like, um, I try to like use all the same lessons just in different, you know, avenues. Um, and I fail a lot in life. You know, I, I tried to promote last year and I didn't get the promotion, you know, somebody else got it. And, you know, I, I did a big post about it cause I put a lot of time and energy and effort into getting promoted and doing all this stuff. And I didn't get it. I got second place and you know, that's okay. Like I'll get it next time. Or if I don't get it next time, I'll get it the next time. Um, that, that is life. And if you let things like that hmm. beat you down, then, you know, you're going to have a bad time. You gotta, you gotta stay positive about those things and, and say, you know, it's, it just wasn't meant to be that time and that's okay. Or, you know, maybe the other guy was just better, you know, it, it, not you're not always going to be the best at everything. There's there's always people out there that are like way better than you. Um, so you either have to work harder, or you know, you have to have a good day and they have to have a bad day, or whatever the fact is. But uh, you know, the world is very competitive, and you know, you're not always gonna you're not always gonna win. You're not always gonna finish. You're you know, that's just the nature of the beast. You've mentioned it. Some of the lessons that you've learned are like running is the ultimate teacher about life. What have you learned about yourself? Like who were you on day one of this run streak? Yeah. Especially in the last three years. Like who were you at the beginning of this thing compared to who you are now? What have you learned through the process? Um, I mean, I think a lot of it has just been like I've learned a lot more patience. Um I mean, in like an ultra, like I used to go out like really, really hard. And my philosophy was I wanted to get to the pain cave as fast as possible. And then like the body would numb out and I would like keep going. Um, and now like my philosophy is more like I don't go out too hard. I like keep a very even pace. And, um, and then I try to save as much energy for the end. And hope that I'm still feeling good so that I can finish strong. And I would say that like, so that sort of philosophy is a lot of like the change in the last three years. Like, it's almost like I used to go out like really hard in the paint and then hope I didn't crash and burn. And now I go out really, really mellow and hope that I destroy in the end. Um, it doesn't always work out. You know, obviously sometimes you get to mile 70 or 80 and you're destroyed. Like I was at San Diego. Um, but then I've had races where I've got to mile 70 and 80 and I feel amazing and I just crush and push those last 20 or 30 miles. So s same sort of thing in, in, in my daily life and everything. It's just, I've become a lot more obviously consistent with everything I do in life. Like, um, I I've learned a lot about discipline, consistency, uh, Obviously, I knew something about it, but like, I, I guess I've started to like really study it, read books about it, um, understand like different philosophies on it and look at it from lots of different angles. Um, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm obsessive. I'm an obsessive learner. So like when I, when I find something that I like, I, I try to learn as much about it as possible. And so 
you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I listen to a lot of audible books and I try to like get better, get stronger. Um, and so, and then I've taken a lot of those life lessons and, and put them into my job and my family and, and all those things. So I think in general, I've become a better person. Um, and then also in the last three years, like, you know, three years ago, I think my social media presence was like 2000 people or something like that. And now I'm at like, probably like half a million. So, you know, obviously that sort of changes, you know, things as well. And I don't think it necessarily has, I mean, the streak is the streak, but I think it has less to do with the streak and more to do with just like everything else. But, but, but I could be wrong. I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I get confused sometimes. I'm like, why, why I'm so popular on social media? You know, I'm like, oh, I'm just a normal, you know, guy with a running problem, but, um, you know, it's, mm. uh, I don't know. When I look at your social media, the things, the reason why I think people resonate with you so much is, is not only, I mean, there's, there's like an aspirational piece where you're doing something that, that feels so far sure. out of reach for most people. But additionally, you approach it in a way that's very accessible. Um, and, and I think that some of the joy that you convey, like when you, when you're running and you're posting, the posting is, is, is in a way that's like not this hard charging discipline. Although <laughs> when you drop the hammer and you post those types of videos, sure. you certainly have that element, but it's, I, I think for the consistency element to hold on to what you've been doing, it's like, it has to kind of be a part of you and there has to be some level of joy to it, which you definitely, it comes across in, in the content that you bring. And so it's, it's obvious that you really enjoy what you do that it is meaningful to you and it's something that's very much authentic to who you are. And I think that's right. why people love it, you know, and it's, and obviously it's, it's, it's an incredible thing what you've been doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love watching your stuff. It, it makes me want to go run. There's definitely a lot of people time. that have all, all the race directors. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, yeah. Yeah, I hope they're appreciating all the business I'm giving them because like, man, so many people are doing ultras now. Yeah. Which is, I think great. I mean, I want my sport to, you know, obviously yeah. grow. So I'm, I'm excited that more and more people are doing ultras. Um, but yeah, mm. the, the hammer, I mean, here's the thing is like, I, I think there's an aspect of me that's like relatable because I'm like, yeah, occasionally I win, but I'm more of like a mid sort of front packer type guy. And so like, I'm probably more relatable than like somebody that's, you know, running a hundred miles in like 14 hours. Right. I mean, I, I can't relate with that person. So, you know, if I'm a normal person and I'm watching like Jim Wamsley, I'm like, yeah, he's amazing. But like, I can't relate with Jim Wamsley. So, you know, and maybe, maybe some people are like, mm -hmm. you know, relate with me. Cause I'm like, I think I'm a normal, normal guy with obviously I, you know, a bit extreme, but, um, I do like with the hammer thing, like, you're well, certainly not I, a normal I, I guy, I, you're not I a normal, but I like, I was, like I was telling you, I yeah, am a little bit of type A personality and I do have like a pretty intense, like personality, especially in like, at my job and everything. And so occasionally the intensity comes out like with the dropping the hammer and like, if I'm feeling really good in a race, I will get like super competitive and like, I will push myself to the limit. It's just, I don't do it a whole lot, but like occasionally that side of me does come out and everyone's like, Oh, that's, that was a change in your personality. It's like, 
Yeah. Occasionally I let that part of Andy out, but it's not, not a whole lot. He doesn't get out of the cage too often. You mentioned you're a pretty avid listener or reader. Give me a couple of books that have been um, really impactful for you. Not only it doesn't have to be with discipline, but what do you this is, see, this is, this is where I get back to my non-photographic memory when it comes to, to things like that. Um, I am horrible. I would literally have to look at a list um, to, to be able to tell you like what books I, I love. I mean, there's some book about a guy that swims all the way around uh, England, which I, I can't think of what it's called, but it's an, I, I love that book. Um, I'll find it. And I'm trying to think what it's called. I love, um, I love Gladwell and his whole like outliers book. I love, um, yeah, I think his name's Simon Sinek or something like that. He's like a leadership guy. Talks a lot about, um, yeah, like basically the leadership like philosophy of like building other people up in order to make the team better and then not necessarily taking the credit for your, for being the leader, but like giving the credit to the team. Um, his books like, uh, leaders eat last. Um, I can't think of any of the other ones, but I've read all his books and I, and I really, I really like his books. Um, some of like Jocko's books, um, Wilnick, I think that's how you say his last name, the, in the Navy SEAL guy. I I really like leadership because Mm -hmm. like I'm a fire captain and like on some level I am a leader that like leads men and and women into very dangerous situations, not like the military, but like, you know, burning structures and whatnot. And so um, I'm slightly obsessed with, you know, books that that deal with leadership and and stuff like that. But then they also a lot of times have some like mental uh, toughness. even though I'm vegan, I really like Cameron Hayes' new book, which I I think is called Endure. Maybe I'm, I'm not sure his 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 newest one. Yeah, and it's I've like been there, to read it's a ton one. on bow yeah. hunting and killing things and stuff like that. Which obviously um, not not on my level, but like his life philosophies and stuff. Like I I read it recently, and I just see like between him and I, there's a lot of parallels in, in the way we, we look at like hard work and like working a job and the importance of it and the importance of smiling. And, and, and just like, I, I appreciated some of his philosophies. Um, yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, I could probably, if I had a list of all, all the books I've read, I think, you know, I read like over a hundred <laughs> books um, a year. Or listen to because I have all the time in the world to listen. So, um, yeah, there's so many I, I just can't even like remember them all. But yeah, I've been meaning to check out Cameron Haynes' book. That's one that's on my list. Um, and Simon Sinek. I, I mean, everybody that you mentioned, I'm yeah, I'm a pretty I mean, big fan of. So yeah, it's it's good We're stuff. You know, page. it's uh, I, I yeah, I just I just really like to learn. I listen to you know a lot of podcasts and not a whole lot of running podcasts, but just like podcasts in general because like i just want to like learn interesting things you know like i listened to one the other day on like beekeeping you know like i'm like i'm i I just wanted to learn about (laughs) beekeeping and like you know maybe someday i'll be a beekeeper and maybe i won't but like i just wanted to like you know go down that rabbit hole and like i i find learning stuff to be like a, a great aspect 
of, uh, of life. I remember like, I always tell my kids, like when I was growing up, if I wanted to learn something, I had to read the encyclopedia and my grandparents had an encyclopedia and I used to just sit there and just read the encyclopedia. That was the only way I could get information, you know, and now everybody has access to like, I mean, I can take MIT classes if I want for free. And like, you know, there's, I know we all only have 24 hours in a day and I definitely use my 24 hours, but you know, I'm trying to, you know, just get better every day and learn more and more stuff every day. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I love that about life. Yeah, man. The eternal learner. That's really cool. And, and definitely, I mean, we mentioned this before, but it seems like everyone that I know who runs a lot is very in line with that. You know, not only some of the books that you mentioned, but also when I talk to people who run a lot, (laughs) everyone has this element about them that is very dedicated to learning and very interested in a pretty diverse range of fields ranging from leadership to whatever it is. So it's, I mean, it's really cool to, to hear, to hear you're, you're very much in line with that as well. Um, as we wrap this thing up, I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious what's, what's on deck for you in, in training. Uh, and racing. Well, so I think like uh, the biggest thing is I'm, I'm doing Moab 240 this year and, um, I'm doing it with a crew oh, and a pacer. This it's going to be like my first race crude and paste. And I, I don't know how long, long time, I think since like my first hundred miler. So maybe, uh, as yeah, it's been, been many, many years. So, um, that'll be interesting because to have somebody, uh, cracking the whip, um, and not let me space out and do my thing might, might be helpful. Um, and then also have a crew that follows mm. me around and I have all my creature comforts and, you know, if I need to take a nap, I can go in the RV instead of just sleeping on the dirt by myself. Like, you know, all these things might, um, help me out. Um, I'm doing UTMB for the fourth year, um, in August, which is, is my nice. favorite race. And, uh, I got really lucky because I did well at canyons they gave me a entry into UTMB this year. Surprise, surprise, which I was really bummed that I didn't get in this year. So I immediately signed up and now I'm doing UTMB in August or actually I think it's September 1st. So yeah. And then, you know, cool. I obviously have a couple other hundreds sprinkled in there, but, um, the middle of the summer, I don't do too much cause it's fire season. And like, you know, we end up working a ton and not having a lot of opportunities to like, go out and race. So I tend to take like the summer off and then in the fall and winter I'll start racing again. So, um, I think, yeah, that's, that's the big one. I mean, actually in next week I have, um, Bighorn, which is, uh, apparently some crazy mountain race in Wyoming. And they're like saying that there's a ton of snow at the top. You have an 18 mile climb. If you can imagine that. Um, and then at the, Top, there's a ton Holy of snow smokes. and so and you're gonna be like post holing and stuff so i'm like trying to like mentally wrap my mind around how i'm gonna you know handle that because that that is a new factor in a race that i've never done before next weekend there's broken arrow in california and that's up in tahoe and there's a ton of yeah. snow how are they gonna do i mean same with the, the western states like so. they just had the training camp and everyone's like yeah there's gonna be like eight miles of snow and i'm thinking to myself like how you know, and they're not, they're not allowing like micro spikes or anything at Western States. Like, 
They're wow. saying like you have to have shoes that have spikes built into them. And then yeah, and then surprise su- su- surprise surprise <laughs> their sponsor Hoka just happened to release a Speedgo uh, with spikes built in <laughs> like right before. Yeah, what a coincidence. What a coincidence. And, and they happen to be like super super expensive. <laughs> so, I'm like, "Oh, that's weird." But uh now I'll probably never get into Western oh, states because I'm calling them out on their corruption. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that raffle, man. Uh, well, great, man. It sounds like you've got quite the year ahead. Where can people find you and follow you You know, along your journey? I, I know you've got a, a billion followers, followers yeah. already, but uh, tell so me. So on uh, Instagram, I'm amglaze or amglaze. Um, TikTok is glaze runs. And then... Strava, I think, is just Andrew Glaze. So, um, but I'm I'm orange check marked on Strava. So I'm like, uh, they gave me the I, I got Ayo, the influencer check. Nice. It's the only thing I care about. I don't care about Instagram or TikTok, but I got the orange check mark on Strava. So well deserved, man. You earned that one for sure. <laughs> I don't know if I have an orange check mark in my future, but I'm yeah, stuck I was, you I was pumped on it. Well, they invited me to that Strava event, and I was like, well, does that mean I can get an orange check mark? And they were like. Yeah, I guess. I'm like, okay, cool. Dude, if you don't have an orange check mark, I don't know who deserves oh, yeah. one on Strava. Yeah. Honestly. I, I didn't I honestly I didn't even know it existed until I started well, doing a little research and then I'm like, oh, they have this? I'm I'm requesting that. Well, I'm stoked for you, man. And and I am I, I'm super grateful that you took the time to do this. I know how busy you are and, and how much you have going on. Um, but I'm I'm super thankful for your time and, and really appreciate you not only diving into your story, but also providing myself and in our audience with with a lot of insight not only with running but also with life so thanks so much for your time and you know of course I and, appreciate and just you doing remember this. don't do what i do stretch and do all the the important things don't run injured all the all the normal typical advice all right that's a wrap on the show thank you so much for joining me i hope you enjoyed this one as much as i did i will catch you in the next one